Welcome to the Healthy Living Podcast. The Healthy Living Podcast gives you actionable tips and tools for self-empowerment so you can create the life you love with your host, Anna Block, integrative nutrition practitioner, coach, and the founder of Anna Block International. If you're struggling with fatigue, fatigue or know that you need to find a better balance in your life, but not really sure of how to actually get there, then today's episode is for you. So today I'll be having a conversation with Carolina Soprun, who fought her own health struggles with chronic fatigue and developed her own path to live a more balanced life. And if you want some extra resources, head on over to my blog at annablock.com.au forward slash blog, where I share with you my complete self-help guide to create balance and a life that you love. So Carolina is a health and wellness, health and nutrition coach. She's a, also a Pilates instructor. She's a scientist and she's a radiation therapist. Her passion and focus is to help professional women reduce stress and create a more balanced life and prevent stress-related disease. So Carolina and I have actually known each other for over a decade and we met at Polish school. So many of you know that my background is Polish and growing up, we would schlep on over to Polish school on Saturday morning, um, very grudgingly at the time because we wouldn't really be starting our weekend until it was over. But I'm sure we're super grateful now that we know another language. So welcome to the Healthy Living Podcast, Carolina. Thank you so much for having me, Anna. I'm so excited to be on the podcast. So I thought we would start off today with perhaps looking at your own health struggles with fatigue. Can you explain maybe to listeners a little bit what life was like for you before you started to carve out a greater balance in your life? Absolutely. Um, I think I've always been an A-type personality. So to me, everything had to be perfect. Slowing down was not an option in my 20s. It was definitely just a way of life for me. And one of the biggest struggles that I had was that I wanted to show up 100% in all the different aspects of my life. And naturally, no one can really do that effectively. Eventually, they will burn out if they keep going that way. And that's exactly what happened to me. I wanted to be there 100% at work because I took my job really seriously. I wanted to be there 100% with my family and friends. And I was literally burning the candle at both ends. And at the end of 2014, I had literally just finished my master's. I was commuting 140 kilometres each day. Um, so 70 kilometres to placement and 70 kilometres back. And I was doing three units on top of that and I was also trying to publish a paper. So life was just absolute chaos. And towards the end of 2014, I landed my dream job and it was a job where I had done my placement in radiotherapy. And I literally worked probably for a couple of months only before one day I literally could not get out of bed. The fatigue, I think, you can never really explain to anybody unless they had experienced it themselves. 
it was something out of this world. I literally couldn't get out of bed. I was just so tired. I literally could have slept for 18 hours at a time. And eventually I got slightly better. I still wasn't 100%, but I felt like I could actually function. And then fast forward to the end of 2015, it happened again and at this stage I had such severe symptoms. I had fatigue, I had headaches, I had nausea, brain fog, um, I was unable to make any type of decision. I had bladder issues, issues going to the bathroom um, and also had limb numbness which was quite difficult because I'm quite a fit and active person and when your body actually stops working that is so difficult and anyone that's been in that situation will totally understand and I ended up in hospital twice the amounts of blood tests that I had was just crazy and that was really the start of the reassessment of my health and journey and I ended up at a GP clinic and I actually didn't get my GP because my GP was away on holidays at the time but I got this other amazing GP who was really caring and basically said to me, I will give you any test that you like. I will send you to any specialist that you like in order to find out what's wrong with you. And I guess having that science background, I always feel like I need an answer for the problem because that's just my way, the way that my brain programs information. There is always an answer and there's always a solution. However, I was being passed on from one specialist to another specialist and there actually wasn't a solution. And every time I left a specialist office, I felt really deflated and I literally felt like no one could save me, I guess, to an extent. And the last, the last specialist that I ended up seeing was a neurologist and he was fantastic. And obviously because I had the numbness, they were testing me for things like MS and all the other type of neurological um, autoimmune type diseases. And he basically said to me, we see people like you all the time. You're, you know, really driven. You're really motivated. You don't stop and you can have two people next to each other. One person that looks after themselves and actually takes that time out for themselves and one person who just keeps going and they get a virus and it starts triggering all those autoimmune type responses. And as you would know, Anna, once your adrenals are fatigued, that it's really hard to re rebuild that resilience in your body and really rebuild that energy within you. So I guess Western medicine didn't quite help me in that aspect, but I guess it, that experience made me realize that I needed to take matters into my own hands. And I, I guess one of the first things I had to deal with was my anxiety and my stress. That was the one thing that was something really common in my life. And I really struggled not to be that way anymore. Um, I actually underwent cognitive behavioral therapy and that's a type of therapy that helps process your feelings and emotions and that to me was really helpful and I really had so much I guess gratitude towards my GP that he didn't put me on medication for my anxiety he wanted to try something else with me 
I also started meditation and to me meditation was quite foreign because my mind always works a million miles an hour so for me to actually slow down that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do and I actually look up to people that can slow down and that have always been that way through their whole life. I wish someone, I guess, educated me in regards to that somehow. And then I definitely, I guess, looked at the nutritional aspect um, when it came to my health. I never ate badly. However, I always ate on the run and I did have quite a sweet tooth. So really the nutrition aspects of my life had changed quite a bit rather than eating because I had to eat, I was actually looking at food and thinking of how that food will actually nourish me and what that food can actually do for me. Um, whereas before that, I was just always eating on the go. Weight had never been an issue for me. Therefore, I was just eating what was available rather than actually cooking and preparing my own food. So that really had to change. And I also did a lot of coaching around my life because things needed to be addressed. Obviously, I was really happy with my work life, but my health life was really suffering. And while I was unwell, all I could worry about was losing my job, which is, I look back on that and I'm like, that's ridiculous. Your main priority should actually be your health. If you don't have your health, you have nothing. So I really had to focus on that and I really had to implement things like self-care and actually taking that time out for myself. Obviously, my job as a radiation therapist really requires me to look after other people. So I really struggled when that was in reverse and I had other people looking after me and I actually had to look after myself. So that's, I guess, my story and where I've come from in a nutshell. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's it's something that I actually hear a lot of the time where there's an underlying root cause of some sort of um, dysfunction and you get passed on from one practitioner to the next. Um, you know, it's, it's a very silo approach, unfortunately, in Western medicine. And I say that with love. My brother's a doctor and I understand, you know, it's having, um, you know, like emergency type care, Western medicine is great, but if it's an underlying dysregulation, for example, with yourself, that sort of HPA access dysregulation or um, something where it's a little bit more nuanced, um, it is an integrative approach and, and yeah, things like mindfulness and self-care come into play as well as the cbt which helped you and it's it's a slow kind of journey to start to kind of regulate that system turn off the fight or flight response which it sounds like you were kind of living in that constant anxiety you know fight or flight state and then on top of that um, your rest and digest type system you know wasn't really activating eating on the run and and that sort of thing so it sounds like a, a massive learning and journey for you. Absolutely. And I think as women and in the whole world in general, no one really educates you what stress can actually do to your physiology. And my, I majored in physiology during my science degree and that really helped me understand that when I became unwell. And I think we definitely need to get a lot better at educating what happens to you, your body, your mind, 
when you're put under stress for a prolonged period of time because no one really educates you on that. I feel like we experience stress and we're just expected to deal with it and keep running with it almost. So I think it's a really important thing that women in particular need to be educated about. Yeah, and I completely agree where it becomes stress is viewed in society as, as normal and it becomes your new norm to be functioning in that state. So, and you probably know this like I do, where it's all about managing stress, whereas really the question is to resolve stress. So looking at how to actually start to tap into a lot of that work that you've done, not only the CBT, but looking at your life from a holistic perspective in terms of any sort of underlying stress triggers that you've got, or even unconscious thoughts that are keeping you stuck um, in that fight or flight response. So definitely, I, I would tend to agree with you on that. So when you're feeling, um, let's say, overwhelmed or unfocused or fatigued, or um, you know, like you've lost your focus temporarily, let's say, what do you actually do? Yeah, so I think, well, I've done a lot of things over time. My biggest thing is taking walks in nature. I think nature definitely energizes you and just being able to be outside, breathing that fresh air, I think it's amazing. I always give myself time. I think time is so important. We never actually give ourselves time. And I think what's happened with having COVID, we've actually been put in a place where we have that time and we need to learn to use that time well and take that time out to actually look after ourselves because the way we were living before COVID was not normal. And I truly believe that. I think things happen for a reason and we need time to reset our bodies. We need time to reset our mind. I still always meditate. I think meditation is amazing. I probably don't get I guess, as much time to do it at the moment, but I did go to meditation classes when I wasn't really unwell. And I got to such a relaxed state that by the end of it, I was actually asleep. <laughs> so I knew I was really relaxed. Um, and I That's love <laughs> And literally my meditation teacher used to tickle my feet um, to wake me up. It was just insane. Um, so I think meditation is really important and it takes time. And I always say that to people because I think it's really, people can get easily discouraged because they have a billion thoughts running through their head when they first start meditating. Um, so I really would encourage everyone to stick with it. Um, and the other thing that I found really helpful, I'm a Pilates instructor as well. I did my training about, oh goodness, three years ago now. And that really gave me an out. So when I feel like I'm really busy in my head where I'm you know, running around a million miles an hour, I go to a private studio and I just do my own practice. And that body movement just helps calm me down. So I always say to women that I coach, for example, find something you really enjoy 
and you will know what that is because of the feeling that it gives you when you're doing it. So um, those are probably the main things that I really do to calm myself down and to actually stop. And I guess I have a really good grounding technique where I literally close my eyes, imagine that all the weight is coming to my feet and my feet are glued towards the ground. And that just makes me feel like I'm more grounded and less in my head because I think people like yourself and myself that are always thinking about things, whether it's business or the next project, it can be really hard to switch off. So I, when I feel like that, that is definitely one thing I recommend. Just closing your eyes, feeling like your feet are grounding towards the ground and just sitting with it for a moment and then you'll feel so much better. I love that grounding technique and it's something that you can do anywhere, anytime. Um, obviously it's free. It's just, it's something that will, really helps. And I like the fact that the mind to muscle connection is also there with the Pilates. So, you know, it's a different uh, aspect of your brain working and really starting to kind of focus on something else can actually release that subconscious mind and release a lot of stress um, as well as the physiology um, side of things. So looking at obviously um, releasing stress in that way through movement. So I, I really like those. So um, in the last, let's say maybe three to five years, whilst you've been on this new journey, do you have any kind of like a new belief or behavior or maybe a habit um, which has, you know, most improved your well-being? Absolutely. I think, well, first of all, and this is probably coming more from a work aspect because I feel that's where I was really stuck and that's what actually made me unwell because I just couldn't sort of step back at work. So creating boundaries has been a big one for me. And listen, I'm still working on it. It's one of those things that I think some people are really good at and some people are not. Um, but that's life. We're all good at different things. And I always say I'm a recovering yes girl. And that can be really hard. So I'll, I guess I'll give an example with work. One of the things that I was doing was I was coming to work early. I wasn't getting paid for my extra time, but all that mattered to me was that my work was finished. And that's fine, but if you do that over a period of time, other areas of your life will actually lack. So I was finding like obviously my health was lacking, it led for me to feel burnt out. And like I said, it's not a nice feeling and you need to draw those boundaries at some stage. And I know we've discussed previously, particularly when you have your own business, you can work forever. You literally, the day sometimes just doesn't end. And we were laughing about the fact that I've actually got three laptops. They're used for multiple things, um, which, you know, that's just how I operate. But I think you need to know what your limit is. And you also need to understand that work isn't everything. If you haven't got your health, you can't do the amazing work that you want to do. So really setting those boundaries, I think, is really important. And relationships are a little bit the same. Obviously, there is compromise. You need compromise within a relationship. But if you feel that it's sort of one-sided, then you're going to be forever using that energy 
to be there for that person without them returning the same thing. Um, I think my values have also changed quite a bit. So I'll use work an example again, but health and helping people were always my values. So I was always super passionate about health, super passionate about helping people. But in radiotherapy, for example, it's a field that's super competitive and that actually doesn't align with my values. And what I didn't realize is that it was actually taking a lot of my energy and that isn't good for anyone. And people will know what that feels like because you get that whole heavy feeling, that sick feeling like this is just not aligned with you want to do. And so I always say to people, you need to work within your values. And I have definitely implemented that in my life. I'm doing what I love now. And, you know, without having those values, I wouldn't have known what that actually looks like. And the other thing is, I guess, looking at challenges a little bit better. So really changing your mindset around challenges and when they present. So for example, I guess most of us, whenever something bad happens to us, we're like, why is it me? Why isn't it someone else? But really, I look at challenges or signs. So for example, the first time I got sick, that was a sign for me to slow down. I didn't listen. Um, and the second time, it was like, okay, you didn't listen the first time. We're just going to make it a couple of times worse. Um, so really looking at challenges and things that happen to you, regardless whether they're good or bad, as lessons. And as soon as you have that mindset shift, it will literally change your life because you'll stop fighting the challenge. You'll actually go with the challenge. And sometimes you probably won't realize what the lesson is and that's okay. Sometimes it just takes time. I mean, I look at my life back now and I'm like, oh, this happened because of this. Just like when I finished up in radiotherapy, I'm still there on a casual basis, but people said to me, oh my goodness, you've done all this study. And I'm like, yeah, but because I did that study, I can now help people on a scientific level of how to cope with their stress, how to manage it, um, how to create a little bit more balance. And that all happened for a reason. And I also wouldn't have, I guess, impacted lives and the people that I've come in contact with wouldn't have impacted my life. So everything that happens to you, whatever the lesson or the challenge is, is there for a reason. So those are probably those, the three things, but mindset is definitely a big one. Mm, I would I would have to agree with you on that, definitely. Mindset really does shape your version of reality, your perception of stress um, and your perception of your life. So it's definitely something that is at the core of a lot of the work that we do as coaches, but also you've tapped on into something interesting with uh, working and operating based on your values. So you obviously know this, but for the listeners, um, we as coaches work in the area of identifying your character strengths and your states of flow. So working in a way where you're optimizing when you're, when you're um, using your own character strengths to do things to enter states of flow when things are easy um, and you're really good at them. And that way you're really optimizing the 
the aspects of your own happiness and your well-being. So yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. So when you say creating boundaries, you know, a lot of, unfortunately in society these days, especially for women, we have grown up with saying yes all the time and we want to please, we're pleasers, um, we're very nurturing and I think an intuitive and a lot of women um, fall into the trap of saying yes all the time and not being able to create those boundaries. So what would you say um, for anyone listening, what's a, a, a great way to actually start to test the waters of actually creating boundaries in their lives? Absolutely. So I think it comes back to what I touched on is knowing your limit. So knowing what you're capable of um, and just really tapping into that. And if you feel like you really can't, just create a schedule for yourself, for example, and see where you're spending a lot of your time. So for example, I'll use myself as an example. I always make sure that I connect with at least one person daily. But what I used to do is try and catch up with like three friends during the day. And that was really counterproductive because half the time I was running from one place to another. And not only was I using a lot of my energy, but I was also using a lot of my time on other people. And what ends up happening is, is you progressively start losing that energy and you have no energy for yourself or other aspects of your life. So now what I do is I just see one friend, for example, during the day, but then I know that I'm giving that person the energy and the time that they deserve because there's no point in being like looking at your watch all the time and saying, oh, I need to run off here. So I think those are the things that you want to think about how you structure your day. Someone very wise once said to me, you shouldn't do any more than three things a day on top of your work day. So anything outside mm -hmm. of work, three things, and that's it. That's you done. Weekends are completely different, um, but that's definitely you done. And I guess the other thing I always say to my clients, for example, find one day where you just do what you enjoy doing. So no one else, just you. Obviously, if you've got a family and you've got a partner, that probably looks a little bit different. But always have that one day or even one evening during the week where you're not thinking about work, you're not doing work, you're just creating your inner balance. So those would be my main recommendations to the listeners. Mm, I, I really like those. And I like the way that you've reframed uh, your supposed failures or challenges into learnings and it really is that sort of mindset shift into how you approach life but so let me ask you this how has a failure or like an apparent failure or challenge set you up for later success like do you have a favorite failure that you think of where you think oh if that hadn't have happened i wouldn't have been here or anything like that oh i love that <laughs> and i have so many um i think you know let's use my studies for an example because i've studied for a really long time but 
when I was applying for my master's, I actually didn't get in the first year. And I was, I can still remember, I was so disappointed the communication from the university actually hadn't come through to say that I wasn't successful. So I had to ring them and I guess chase them around for it. But because I didn't get in and I had to do extra things in order to get in the following year, that I guess gave me a little bit more success. So I had to do a bridging course to get into the masters during that year in between for applying the second time. And I felt like that course was of value to me. I also met one of my gorgeous girlfriends who was still so, so close. And if I had gotten in the year before, I would have never had met her. And to be honest, I wasn't emotionally ready for the things that I was presented with. In oncology, you see a lot of beautiful stuff, but you also see a lot of sad stuff. And mentally, there was no way I would have been prepared. And I think that I would have actually crumbled because it wouldn't have been for me at the time. Um, and success takes time. And I always say this, and you'll know this too, Anna, we, we, we're both, I guess, on a similar path, but you need to be patient with yourself. And I always say to, your, to all the women that I come in contact with, stay in your own lane, focus on what you have to do, because the whole comparison game is just not worth it. If you're continuously comparing yourself to other women, then you're actually trying to live their life and the life that they've created. What about focusing on the life that you can create and the impact that you can have? I think as coaches, when you first start out, you feel like you need to, I guess, give your service to everyone, but that's not really right. You have to find your niche in order to give the right service. So I think it's really important for people to know that success takes time. Don't compare yourself to other people and just understand that everyone's journey is different as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. So success and everyone has a different definition of success and what that means to them. So what advice would you give to a smart, driven, ambitious woman who wants to be successful but is maybe juggling a lot of hats, um, wants to maybe move up the, you know, progress her career or move up the corporate ladder or, you know, that sort of um, aspect of she wants to progress and be successful. What advice would you give to someone like that? How much time have you got? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I love that you sat, said about sort of juggling multiple hats. I did that for a really long time and I'm sure you could interview multiple people and they would all give you a different answer. I always start off with a plan. So write down what your plan is, your five-year plan, your three-year plan. That might change, but for the time being, sit down, write the plan and write a list of goals and next to each goal, actually write how you're gonna action that goal. So what are you gonna to do to get there? I always say to women, never stop learning and try not to get to a stage where you're just getting through work and you're just comfortable because 
by being comfortable, you're never going to progress. So by you learning new things, whether it's courses, whether it's investing in someone that can help you. Um, I think that's really, really important. Um, and if you are thinking, for example, if you're someone who's in the corporate world and you want to do something on the side, which is effectively what I did to some extent, start off slowly. So still work your job. I guess put a couple of hours aside. I used to put an evening aside where I could coach some clients and then just see it slowly progress. And then you'll make adjustments as that thing that you really crave and want and want to succeed in gets better and busier and busier. And there is never a right time to leave. I really struggled living radiotherapy in the sense that that career served me so much. Um, I was helping people. It was all I knew. And I think that's the hard bit. Once you get really confident in something, you do get comfortable and it's really hard to take that leap because you're too scared to. And I think be a little bit fearless. So never fear what's going to happen because you're going to land on your feet somehow, regardless how it pans out. So fear is a big thing. I always say to women, don't fear what's going to happen. Just really focus more on the actions that you're going to take to gain you that success. Mm, yeah, and I've got to um, agree with you in terms of, uh, I guess, dipping your foot into your passion and something that you want to do on the side. If you are transitioning from careers or you want to kind of expand your you know on the on the side hustle because and that actually you know you've done that and i actually did that so my background i know a lot of the listeners know this but my background was also in corporate you know many years ago before i even branched out into health and wellness coaching and nutrition and, and started um doing my studies in that but it was about you know having setting aside that time to really see whether you engage with something and if it really is your passion because having it as a profession is different to an on the side type approach so carving out the time and really focusing on balancing out you know the time that you spend at work but also this time that you cultivate and grow and learn and really stepping out of your comfort zone because like you say when you are challenged and when you're out of that that comfort zone then you really are truly growing so it sometimes can feel really uncomfortable but actually that's where the magic happens so knowing that and fear using fear as motivation and sometimes i with my own clients use a approach like a fear setting kind of uh, uh, exercise it's it's based in stoicism but basically looking at fear and and where it can take you and it's a really powerful way of of challenging your perception so and really pushing yourself into that new area so so I, I love that advice so now i wanted to ask you i guess i wanted to change gears a little bit and 
ask you because you know we're both within the wellness industry um we have our own businesses and we sometimes come across a lot of questionable practices and you know cowboys and unfortunately a lot of the industry is unregulated so anyone can really call themselves a health and wellness coach even though they're not qualified and I wanted to hear if you've come across any kind of bad recommendations that you've heard in your own profession of either health and wellness coaching or Pilates or even um, uh, of your previous, uh, previous career. But if you've had any sort of bad recommendations that you've come across that you'd love to share with listeners, just so they've got a heads up, or, you know, where it might've come from or something that, you know, you want to share with them in terms of not approaching health and wellness in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. I think with that question, it's not necessarily whether someone is yeah not a great practitioner for example but it's doing your research around people because like you say the health and wellness and i guess coaching space anyone can really call themselves that but both you and i are actually certified in that so that changes things a little bit so really do your research i do believe that there's space for everything in the world whether that's energetic work, whether it's Western medicine, whether it's holistic, a holistic type approach. So I guess you really have to do your research about each person and make sure that they are legitimate in what they do. Because I think it's very easy to just, you know, have someone who's really um, open, really engaging, and you easily almost like getting sucked into what they're providing for you so do your research beforehand that's always a big thing and I used to always say this for example to my patients always seek a second opinion so I yes that can be expensive but I think having that second opinion and having two individuals say the same thing and give the same information really confirms that it's the right thing for you so really do your research around that. And I'm a firm believer in recommendation as well. I mean, we have so many conversations with people around us and the people that are our friends, our family. I definitely love going off rec recommending someone. So I think that's really important, but definitely do your research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so more the the around the practitioner like if you invest in yourself using a coach or even if you're investing in personal training or anything that's a health and wellness modality so really getting um someone that is yeah qualified in that field and getting a recommendation from someone yeah definitely what about uh, uh within health and wellness so for example if there's you know around nutrition or food or some sort of like maybe pilates is there anything that you hear that you just like oh wow that is just crazy <laughs> i think is there anything yeah with pilates that is a really tricky one because I feel like it takes you years to become an amazing Pilates instructor. And sometimes people or instructors don't necessarily have the awareness or the understanding of how muscles move. And you can really injure someone. So you have to be really mindful of that. And I always say to people, 
never do something that you're not comfortable with doing. So if you feel like your knowledge is lacking somewhere, then actually go and learn about it before you implement it into your own practice. I think that's a huge thing because it's very easy for people to want to appear like they know everything, but really you can actually cause a lot of damage by doing that. So I always say you need to actually have an awareness of what you're doing and also have the knowledge behind it because it's very easy to you know, read something on the internet, but each individual person is different. So with Pilates, I'm presented with multiple people that have different injuries. And obviously I need to change up their exercises to suit them. And that takes time. So you just have to be mindful of the fact that you won't know everything at the start, but you also need to be really careful how you project your knowledge onto other people. Mm, yeah, definitely. And it, it's really about that growth and the journey. So, and that does take time. And like you said, at the time, you know, success takes time. So, yeah, it's <laughs> so, yeah, go on. Um, it's really, I've been doing a lot of, I guess, personal development work. And I feel like that actually needs to be included in like a school curriculum because no one ever really teaches you personal development. There's so much focus on just education, but not educating yourself on how you work, the values that you have and how you can achieve great things. Um, so I think that's really, really important to be able to tap into that and work on that personal development. That's really what gets results. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it sounds like a core component of what coaching is all about. So I definitely agree. So what would you say is one of the absolute best or most uh, worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And this could be an investment into your wellness, but also maybe an investment into your time or your energy or you know, money or whatever it is, but, but what would be the most worthwhile investment that you've ever made? I think with my business, when I was starting out, it was definitely a coach. So, and we're both coaches, obviously, in slightly, still in the health space, but slightly different things. But if you need help, you need to get someone to help you. I mean, you can spend so much time researching things yourself and I'm all for that. You need to do that to become a little bit more independent and rely on yourself a little bit more. But I think investing in a coach and having someone that keeps you accountable in whatever aspect of life it is. I mean, we've got health coaches, stress coaches, life coaches. There's so many different coaches out there. I think coaching is an amazing investment. Um, and I guess in regards to my health, um, investing in really good food. I know it's really basic, but really going out of your way and maybe putting the money that you would usually spend on something expensive, but putting it into the actual food that you're consuming. Because really food is medicine and I'm a big believer in that. And people actually react so well when they start eating well because their body goes through this amazing transformation. They feel vibrant, they feel energized. And I think investing in good quality food is 
one of the best investments I did, even when I wasn't well. So that would be, I guess, a more easier investment, the food, but definitely investing in a coach, super important. Mm, definitely. And I think... Uh, the food is medicine paradigm is really rings true because you know a lot of our listeners have heard you are what you eat and the food that you eat will you know um like be the cells of your body so it'll affect things like your brain your thoughts your energy obviously your sleep your productivity your motivation and all sorts of other areas so having the basic pillars and principles in place is definitely something that I focus on myself with using and developing a self-help system with the women that I coach, but also knowing the fundamental principles that you need to have in place in order to have um, that vibrancy and that, you know, uh, perspective of having a lot of, you know, time and motivation. So it really does come down to a lot of those aspects, definitely. So if you were going to give us a top three of the sort of things that you create balance in your life with, what would you say they would be? Oh, goodness. I, I feel like we've touched a little bit about um, on them, but obviously time is a huge one. You need to take time out for yourself. You actually need to have time to reflect on where your life is heading, what you're doing with your life, how you're living your life. I think that's been one of the biggest struggles with COVID. People have actually been put into their homes and they've actually had to deal with their feelings and work out what's serving them and what's not serving them anymore. We obviously touched on boundaries. Boundaries to this day, it is still a progress for me, but creating boundaries so that you still have the energy to have some time for yourself and to actually nourish yourself and fill your own cup. I know it's a really basic thing, but a lot of us don't do it enough, particularly women. And I see this, I guess, with a lot of my friends, once they have kids, they really struggle to have that balance because they feel bad about asking their hubby to have some time away from their child. But really, by having that time away and looking after yourself, you're going to create more balance within yourself. So you'll actually be a better parent, a better partner. So I'm all about that. And I think also finding something that you really enjoy, um, whether that's for work, whether that's a new hobby, that will really get you out of your head and focusing on what you need to do and what you generally enjoy doing. And I guess a perfect example of that was last year I went skiing. I was always very good at ice skating, but never really a skier. But that literally the whole weekend, the fact that I had to focus so much on what I was doing really took me away from the busyness of home life and actually gave me some inner peace because I had another focus. So I think having things that you really enjoy, but also that drive you not to think about the things that may be really stressful for you right now. 
Yeah, I love those. And and that gives um, listeners a lot of actionable tips that they can get started with right away. Because a lot of those things we can really start to cultivate in our own lives. So thank you so much for joining me on the Healthy Living Podcast today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to um, kind of getting to know you a little bit more from that side and for listeners to really start to understand what you did to create a lot more balance in your life. So I'll link your uh, podcast, your website and your socials in the show notes for listeners. Is there anything else that you want to uh, add before we sign off? Well, thank you so much for having me, Anna. I guess one of the things that I probably didn't mention earlier, I also have a journal that's actually been released today. Um, writing has been, I guess, such a big part of my recovery. And I don't think that we process our emotions, thoughts and feelings enough. And journaling is definitely one way in which we can do that. Um, and I guess the other thing I just wanted to say, and I love this quote, and I guess a lot of your audience are women, is you can have everything, just not everything at once. So really think about that the next time you want absolutely everything to be working in your life. You can have it all, just not at the one time. So just remember that. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Carolina. Thank you so much for having me, lovely. Take care. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Living Podcast with Anna Block. If you like this show and want to know more, check out annablock.com.au or please leave a review on iTunes and share it with your friends.